I'm gonna hide this tape when I'm finished. If none of us make it, at least there'll be some kind of record. The storm's been hitting us hard now for 48 hours. We still have nothing to go on. thing. I think it rips through your clothes when it takes you over. Windows found some shredded long johns, but the name tag was missing. They could be anybody's. Nobody... Nobody trusts anybody now. We're all very tired. trust anybody now. There's nothing else I can do. Just wait. R.J. McCready, helicopter pilot, U.S. Outpost number 31. This week on the podcast, uh, check on your blood work, heat up the blood torch, wish you had learned a little more Norwegian, and whatever you do, don't pet the dog. That's right. This week, we're talking about The Thing on 100 Movies I Love. 100 Movies You Love. Yeah. and Although I love this movie, too. I really do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And this is one thing we're not going to say too often. Uh, this, is the, this is the first remake and not the most recent uh, remake of the of this movie. No, there's been a follow up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but uh, yeah, this is the the John Carpenter version, uh, Kurt Russell version, uh, 1982. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, it opens up with uh, you see the spaceship uh, flying over Earth. I had forgotten that it started yeah. with the spaceship. Yeah, um, and I thought it was all implied in the storyline, but sure enough, he puts it right there in the front. No, no. Uh, yeah, no and it's anything. like there for like. Eight seconds or whatever, yeah. and you see it like sort of heading toward, and you can see heading toward Antarctica. You can see the little peninsula thing that sticks off of uh, Antarctica. I think that's the one that like juts out toward toward uh, Chile, I think, whatever Argentina. Yeah. Um, but you can tell it's Antarctica for sure. Um, and uh, and that uh, that spaceship that's there, you know, of course that's you know that's Jeff Lynn flying that thing, right? Um, uh, you know, I don't think he flew it, but I think he produced it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, think, I think it's the weekend that he wrote uh, Evil Woman. I believe that's what, what happened there. Um, I think he wanted to make Evil Alien, but no one thought he'd understand what it was. So he just went with Evil Woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, you see the, uh, it, shows, it says that it's winter of 1982. Um, you see a helicopter flying and it says Norge on it, which is Norway, Norway how they spell it, um, you know, because in, in England and America, we have to we misspell we have to misspell every single country's city names and country names and everything to make them easier for us. Yes. <laughs> we can't learn how they say it, how they spell it, you know. Um, no. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and then you see um, you see there see a husky running through the snow and uh, they're shooting at the dog. 
And uh, you know, I think when I first saw the movie, yeah, in the theaters way back when, yeah, I thought they were the dog was like leading them to something. And that they were shooting at something in front of the dog. Oh, okay. Until about the third shot, and I realized they were shooting at the dog. And I was like, they do, and they're shooting at the dog. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I didn't understand the region, so I didn't know. Right, right. And um, I, between the time we uh, selected this for our next movie, and since then, I've two different uh, two different uh, girls that I know. I've talked to them, told them they need to watch this movie, and both of them uh, separate times, but both of them five minutes into watching it, like, oh, my God, why are they shooting at the dog? <laughs> so just trust me. Just there's a reason. Don't just watch it. You know, don't worry about it. I didn't want you to see a movie about, you know, so, you know, like if someone, dogs getting someone killed. Someone turning to me while the movie's on <laughs> or texting me, my answer my would probably be the same. Be like, you're asking the right questions. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, no one else on the movie does. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, and, um, and I can imagine uh, – uh, Paul, your wife, Dee Dee, uh, being a very big animal lover, would if she, I'm sure she's seen this, but if she hasn't, I'm not sure if she has. Um, but uh, I doubt she would remember this part of it, or mm-hmm. she would probably dislike the movie just because of this. Right, part. right, and exactly. The fact that the dog is what the dog is means nothing to right. her. It'd be fuck John Carpenter, fuck Kurt Russell, fuck everybody involved in this movie. Yeah. Shooting at the dog. Yeah, you're shooting at the dog. However, I would point out to her that <laughs> one, they never actually hit the dog, and two, the dog gets his revenge. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but it's definitely uh, maybe it's something that led to people being turned off by this movie. Early it could on. be, and I, yeah. I would also point out to people who like animals that you know the thing actually kills the other dogs. Yeah, pretty much. So if you're really favorite dogs, then you should be angry about the dog and happy that they're trying to shoot at this particular dog. Yes, 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 and. Um, and then, um, you know, they do, you know, they, uh, they don't, they don't hit him, whatever. And, uh, and pretty soon you see, uh, McCready, Kurt Russell's character inside yes. playing chess, computer chess. Um, one of the few things in this movie that really dates it yes. because everything else, else in this movie, I mean, because it takes place in Antarctica and, you know, you don't have like old cars running around, basically it could look like it takes place today if, yeah, I mean, it was filmed very well. I mean, the the standard type of equipment that's out there that has to be out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe only someone who actually lives on Antarctica would recognize the fact that the tractor wasn't as updated as it probably could be, mm-hmm. or the building wasn't as insulated as it should have been, or whatever. The rest of us could be today, could yeah, be twenty years ago, forty years yeah. ago. We don't know, right? Except, except you're right. The except computer. for computer chess and. And him pouring uh, J.M.B. Scotch into it because he's pissed off because he loses. Yeah, J.M.B. Scotch definitely uh, put some money into this movie for sure. Yeah, it was always facing out, and it was yeah. several times. And also, if it was made today, uh, Adrian Barbeau probably wouldn't be wouldn't be the voice of the computer chess. Uh, <laughs> you know, she's not quite as trendy as she was in 1982. Um, and wasn't she married to Carpenter at the time? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, man, she was everywhere back in the late seventies, early eighties. Oh, yeah. From on, on. Yeah. Cannonball Run, yeah, yeah, and uh, I think she was in the Fog too, I believe, with John Carpenter. Well, those were the Carpenter, right, right. Um, the, uh, speaking of remakes, that was a remake, remake. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking of the Mist or one. Was it Fog remake or one? Thinking of the Mist. Um, I get those two movies confused. Well, the Mist was Stephen King. Yeah, and the I don't Fog know. was John Carpenter's. Right, 
similar type. Yeah. Movie. I'm not sure if that was a remake or something. It sounds like it could have been, though. I don't know. Um, um, it's funny how, like, of course, then uh, a computer talking to you, talking, telling you the moves seemed very futuristic back then. It, it was. Uh, it I remember was, I was yeah. in college at the time and uh, even though we were building and making computers and we had a couple of computer geniuses on our, mm-hmm. on our campus uh, who were making amazing stuff, mm-hmm. a talking computer was still yeah. amazing. I mean, the Mac hadn't even come out yet. Yeah. Yeah. So, And it just, you know, and of course now, you know, your phone talks whenever you want to. Everything talks. My phone can operate a satellite a billion miles away. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, you pour, you pour scotch into the hard drive because that's that's a smart thing to do when you're isolated in Antarctica. I'm sure you can't just run down the run down to Circuit City and get a new one, right? Radio Shack Antarctica. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then uh, we go back and we see the helicopter still chasing the dog, um, and all the guys see the helicopter. Uh, Norwegians start throwing grenades at the dog, <laughs> and the copter lands. Uh, chasing the dog on foot and. Uh, one of the guys explodes because he drops a grenade. Yeah. He goes back and tries to, instead of running, he goes back and tries to dig it out of the snow. Yeah, and blows up himself and the helicopter. Right, because, yeah, I mean, the helicopter, I mean, whatever, just get away from the grenade. That's, you know, that's should be a known rule, I think, when you're holding grenades. You know, maybe in, in hindsight, having watched again, maybe he threw himself on the, help, on the grenade just to save himself from the horrible death that oh, possibly yeah. come up. Well, true, true. He might have said, you know, uh, chase the monster, fall on the grenade. I'm going to fall on the grenade. Okay. Yeah, okay. That's true because, I mean, later in the movie, the Americans pretty much do the same thing. Right, right. Um, and, uh, you know, and there's the one guy, one Norwegian guy shoots the dog and hits one of the uh, the Americans. And they all fire back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and Donald Moffat. Donald Moffat. I love him. Eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah. Shoots at him through the, uh, through the, he's in the building or whatever. Yeah. But it, he does, but he breaks the windows of of the building to shoot in him, which I, don't, I would think he wouldn't be able to do it that easy. Well, okay. Plus, you better be whole. In Why? Room. In Antarctica, a window with holes in it is not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm sure they have right. the wherewithal to repair it. They never show that. Right. And they never show it being boarded up. Right. It's just very dramatic. Yeah, yeah. Um. <laughs> and uh and then here, here's one thing i put in there too which you know um with uh you know back then sure 1982 and the norwegian guys you're talking about you know guys that are probably around 40 or 50 or so in that area they don't speak english today people from Nor- <clears throat> norway who are that age all speak english and the country's like because i've known a lot of exchange students when i was younger i'm like Norway, Sweden, uh, Denmark, um, Finland for the most, you know, <coughs> slightly less so, but still mostly speak English. Uh, we actually have a listener in Finland, um, but they're going to speak English. So that would, that issue, uh, wouldn't, especially scientists, <laughs> Yeah, scientists would definitely speak English. Now, back then, I'm sure that was actually realistic, but. Yeah, no. there, were, there probably would have been some Norwegians who did not survive. Mm-hmm. The encounter that spoke English, but the only two we got to meet the last two. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, helicopter pilot, probably very much like McCready. Right, right. You know, blue collar guy. Yeah. He's not going to necessarily be educated. Yeah. 
or at least in multiple languages. Right, right. Um, and uh, then they're petting the dog. The dog's standing there next to everyone. Um, and uh, uh, the character Windows, uh, he's talking on the radio, trying to reach somebody. And uh, and then we're there. Uh, I think they're going to get in. They're going to get in the helicopter to go back to the Norwegian camp. And Creedy says, "You're going to really going to save those crazy Swedes, huh?" And they have to correct them. Norwegian, Norwegian. And uh, we see the dog hiding under the pool table. And we still don't know, of course, what's up with the dog. You know, we assume. But, but we know something's up because Carpenter is such a good director. The well, dog yeah. Yeah. pulls us into his storyline. And that one shot where the dog walks into the room with the guy, and you see the shadow of the guy turning his head to mm-hmm. the dog, mm-hmm. and they fade to black. Mm-hmm. Ah, Carpenter knew how to do it. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah, that You was, knew that was menacing all Oh, around. yeah. That was definitely a that, – that was almost like a – 1930s like universal yeah. monster yes and i think thing. a big shadow yeah like it looked like something from like the movie frankenstein or dracula or something that kind of thing and in, of course the 30s movies the shadow would have been the monster right now this thing in the foreground would have been the victim true he reversed it oh true true i didn't think about that um and um you see the yeah that's where the dog's walking down the hall and enters someone's room um i can't remember who it was first that he got but um um, and then McCready lands at the lands a helicopter at the Norwegian camp, um, and uh, they're investigating uh, the guy sitting at the chair, and his throat sliced with a razor. He's committed suicide. Uh, the blood is frozen where it was dripping <clears throat> off the off the blade. Yeah, and uh, I mean it's obvious that he killed himself. So then they got another thing like, okay, this guy definitely committed suicide. What the hell's going on? And he didn't uh, just commit it. He sliced his own throat open and then. Died dripping blood. Yeah, and frozen. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like pretty, pretty dramatic. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, um, what's his name, Doctor Doctor Copper? Is that his name? Uh, he says, uh, "I like to start an autopsy." Blair, I like to start an autopsy right away. Um, and then you know, well, this is when they get the uh, they pull the the body back with the separated face. Yes. Yeah. That's when they said the, mer- the merging time. body, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then Blair is like sticking his hands in the body, like organs seem to be normal, you know. Um, everything seems normal right there. Um, and uh, yeah, Clark uh, is where he puts the dog in the pen with the other huskies. Yes. Um, and another dramatic move the dog moves to the center, just kind of sits down looking at the dog. The other dog's just laying there looking at him. Mm-hmm. And I expect the dog, I didn't remember it well. To mm-hmm. talk. Turn on him and rah, rah, mm-hmm. but they all just kind of ignored the dog. Mm-hmm. So that was a little so unusual. Oh yeah, it wasn't until yeah. uh, the creature started to change the dog started reacting. Yeah, which yeah. is actually, I guess, a good indication that the mimic, the mimicking powers of the alien were very good because dogs should be pretty sensitive to stuff like that. That's true. That's true. They they would have uh, gone nuts. Just something as soon as the dog showed up. Normal. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, and then uh, you get where the thing busts out of the dog. <laughs> that was pretty crazy looking. Uh, yeah. And just split the head open and. I'll let you know that what you're about to experience for a movie is different. Yeah. Yeah. And I can imagine a lot of people back then actually literally thinking that they killed a dog to do that. <laughs> a lot of people thought, you know, 
And they also thought they punched a cow in Blazing Saddles. Uh, you know, the, horse, the horse, yes. I mean, you know. Um, yeah, punching a cow is a different euphemism yeah. for a different movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they, um, they're investigating. They find what's buried in the ice. And that's the, uh, you know, the, I can't remember if they find a, well, they're not sure if it's a, like a, they find a spaceship at that point. I can't remember. Well, uh, at the, Norwegian campsite, they found mm -hmm. inside the building dug down, they found the, the block mm -hmm. and something obviously had been in there. Mm -hmm. And they think, well, something was in the block of ice and something came out. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they find the coordinates on the map and they go searching and they find the spaceship mm -hmm. uh, buried in the ice, the one we saw in the very first scene. And they, uh, didn't they go into the spaceship? I can't remember. I don't think so. I remember they climbed across the top of it. Yeah, I don't think they. Went. I don't think they went in. I don't yeah. think. Uh, it would have been a completely different movie, I think. Yeah, I can't remember right now. I just saw it a long ago. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it was Jermaine's story examining that. Mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> so, uh, I think uh, the monster at the base camp is the one to worry about. Yeah, yeah, and uh, they get back and they're talking about basically. How could this happen? You know, that they're saying, that, you know, you landed. And they don't know at that point where it could have landed thousands of years ago. And they actually say 100, about 100,000 years ago. Um, and then one the one character, one guy says, Chariots of the Gods, Chariots of the Gods, which I know what that is now. But at the time, I didn't know. And if you ever watched Ancient Aliens, the whole Ancient Aliens is based on Chariots yeah. of the Gods. And I used to love that show for like, well, I remember Chariots of Guys. I remember yeah. the documentary when we came out of the movie. Mm -hmm. And I actually bought and read maybe the first three or four of mm -hmm. uh, Eric's books mm -hmm. when they came out. And I was like, that was voracious science fiction yeah. and fantasy. To me, that's what it was. Yeah. And I, I, I think if I reread one of those books now, I understand that he was really trying to be serious. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And in connecting dots. Yeah. But I probably also see that some of the dots he were connecting were like, you know, Apples and oranges, you know. Yeah. We have this, so therefore it must be that. I don't know necessarily. Yeah. There's a, I, I used to my favorite show for like a few years. Uh, some of my, uh, off topic on, mm -hmm. on that topic, some mm -hmm. of my favorite things from history are like, uh, there's a map of, uh, I think it's from Africa. It, the perspective is as if it's from way up high. And people don't know okay. from an alien ship, but I think it might be from a balloon or something like that. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, yeah. it's an incredibly well-drawn perspective yeah from imagination but it's mostly accurate yeah and there's one map that i that they presented on ancient aliens that was uh i don't remember maybe it was like from five or six hundred years ago or something that has antarctica on on it but not the, the ice the actual land of antarctica ah. you know which is a little more difficult to you know a ascertain yeah right so you know there's a lot of things like that that we can't explain. Well, there's also the the pyramids, the pyramid shapes all across the world. Yeah. Oh, did we all, as humanity, spontaneously decide to build these pyramid shapes mm -hmm. uh, for whatever reason? And I find it hard to believe that it was spontaneously done. I don't find it hard to believe that some culture moved across the face of the planet because we right. do right. and designed or helped or did and had a hand in all these mm -hmm. different types of Right. Pyramid building, um, whether they were aliens mm -hmm. or another human race that missing or absorbed in or whatever, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think the I think the key is in some cases that there's there's lost technology that we lost and 
we don't understand and you know yeah. they were able to do stuff and we don't understand how they were able to do it but yes. they were but I think the fact that these buildings and edifice, mm-hmm. edifices exist mm-hmm. is enough of a clue to just to keep looking yeah yeah and uh, speaking of keep looking mm-hmm. yeah they're, they're looking for now yeah and um the uh this is when someone asked uh said how can it look like a dog and mccready says because it's different than us see it's different than us you know that's which you know they just don't understand how it works um and uh and you see you get in the room uh, blair is running the simulation on his computer and it says probability that one or more team members may be infected this is 75 percent and uh and then it says entire the next one is entire world population infected 2700 hours from now so. It was once the virus got loose in the world. Right, right, right. From, from first contact. Not, from, from first, first contact. contact. First. So their their contact there can be limited, and that's what Blair realized. If I can, we can limit it here. Right. And contain it here, which is what the Norwegians also thought. Yeah. So realized. Yeah. And it stays. Mm-hmm. But if it gets out in the world, it gets out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, they uh, they're talking about uh, someone said they should burn the uh, the body. And it's like, we can't burn these things. So that's going to win somebody the Nobel Prize. You know, which, you know, true. You discover an alien. <laughs> Someone's gone to. Um, and uh, I think this is the one where it's, it's alone with Bennings. And uh, um, I guess where he gets to him, I can't remember now. Um, but uh, Fuchs wants to talk to McCready alone. He says, talking to McCready about Blair. Um you know, to watch him, you know, and, uh, cause he was with them dogs quite a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, no, he's, uh, Fuchs is talking about, uh, about Blair because the situation, um, um, what's his name was, uh, Richard Mishore's character, Mishore's yeah. character was the one who was with the dog. Clark. He was no. Blair's told Clark to watch for Clark. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, everyone's paranoid about everyone right now. Yeah. Which they should be. Yeah. And then, and then they're out in the, uh, like, open on, on the ground. This is where Benning's, where he turns and is growling at everyone. He's got the giant hand. And they, you know, douse him and use the flame brother on him or yep. whatever. Uh, kill him. And I think it's uh, Donald Moffat's character. Says, I've known Benning's for 10 years. He's my friend. You know, it's like. <laughs> um, it's good. You get back to uh, Blair. Uh, where Blair's in his room. And, uh. Or in, in the research room or whatever. Uh was yelling at everyone, shooting a gun. Just that's all that's just great. Him just shooting a gun, just bam, bam, bam. But if you listen to what he's muttering, he's literally telling right. the the clan, you know, this is what's going on. Mm-hmm. This is what we have to do. They're not gonna listen to me. I gotta do it myself before someone does something stupid and lets it loose. Yeah. Or before they get to me. Yeah. And of course they get to him. Yeah. And uh, he's saying Nobody gets out of here. You think that thing wanted to be a dog? That thing wanted to be us. And he's like, I'll kill you. <laughs> Just shooting at people. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I agree with his motives, but his uh, his method was a little sloppy. Uh, maybe His character, I think, is really good. I mean, yeah. Wilfer, is it Wilfer Brimley? Wilfer Brimley, yeah. yeah. Played him very well, especially later on. He goes, I'm okay. You yeah. can bring me back in now. That was one of the creepiest things ever. Yes, it was. Like, was it really him? Was it the thing? I couldn't tell. Oh, I never really That's got a good that. point. You never they thought never, about that angle. They never got back to that. I never thought about you that know, angle. I'm okay. I'm not going to do anything bad. You know, that was what the thing would say. Right, right. You know, but it's like, 
that's just incredibly creepy. I mean, yeah. that's one of the creepiest parts of the movie later on when yeah. he says that. He goes, I'll be good. You can trust me now. I never thought about that. He might have already turned at that yeah. point, actually. Um, but it was he, he was isolated. He'd been in and out of the yeah. place of, a bit that yeah. we know of. Yeah. I mean, and what, you know, in fact, uh, later on, we find that he was building the spaceship. So I guess yeah. he was turned by that point. Yeah, he was uh, just he took apart the helicopter and the tractor or whatever, taking parts, yeah, trying to build thought, something to fly away. Or something. I thought he was, uh, uh, you know, sabotaging the machines so they couldn't get out. But now we realize after we see what he was doing down below, that yeah. he was gathering parts. Yeah. Well, do you think maybe he was he was going to build a spaceship so he could put the thing on it and get it in outer space? No, I think that he was already turned. That he was building his own ship. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah true, you know, true. He was building his own way out to get to the other civilization or get the fuck off this little backwater planet. Right, right. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and McCready asks Blair, um, how are you doing? And uh, Blair says, I don't know who to trust. Uh, watch Clark. Watch Clark. Yeah, that's where he told him. Watch Clark. He's been a long time living those. Yeah. And uh, this is getting up to the point where they were preparing the test. Um, I talk about the test, the blood test. Um, do we think, you know, we do, we'll, we'll get this test and uh, the blood, you know, in theory, it should work. And uh, someone says, you know, if we're going to do this, I think we should prepare our own meals, uh, only eat out of cans, which, yeah, solid advice in that situation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if we can transfer it from blood, all you can do is put a couple of bloods in the food and everyone gets it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, this is where the scene where McCready visits Blair um, in his isolated uh, hut or whatever, and uh, the noose <laughs> yeah. hanging. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was pretty good. Yeah, I'm all better. Yeah, I'm all better. Yeah, help me out. I'm all better. You know, that's so great that, that no one commented on the noose. It was just there hanging. Yeah. He'd made a noose for himself, but I'm, I'm doing fine. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a pretty good indication right then and there that he had already been turned. He was preparing to kill himself if he needed to. But there was the news just hanging there. He ignored it. He's like, I'm fine. You mm -hmm. can let me out. You yeah. can trust me now. Yeah. And then McCready shuts the door on him without even giving him an answer. He just shuts the door in his face. Um, and uh, <laughs> um, um, now, T.K. Carter's character, Nalls, a little bit later, we see him with. Um, He'd cut, cut loose uh, McCready. He said he cut loose McCready. He said he found the clothing. He found the you know jumpsuit or whatever it is with McCready on it. Because earlier they had mentioned that you know that might be the sign that it shed at clothing. You know. Yes. So he thought that you know McCready was turned. You know, because um, they had been you know chained or roped together or whatever for safety when they were out exploring. Um, and. Uh, this is uh, coming up, and we have the scene with McCready with the dynamite. He's holding the dynamite in, his, in one hand, he's holding the flare in the other hand. <laughs> and uh, basically said, go ahead and shoot me. Go ahead and shoot me. Well, you know, we'll just, everything will blow up. Um, and uh, that's a pretty intense scene where they're all holding the gun on him, and uh, he's just daring him to kill him. Um, so what did you did you like that scene when he's holding the dynamite and the fire McCready was? Oh yeah. yeah. I mean like threatening to blow everything up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it reminded me of the uh, some of the scenes some of the movie where, where 
someone's holding some kind of grenade or whatever. Like, I'm going to blow myself up. Mm-hmm. And, and the other people are like, do it. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. You're over there. We're over here. Blow yourself up. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and, uh, the, uh, this is where, uh, we have a little operation where Dr. Copper is operating on the thing and the thing basically grabs his arms and cuts his arms off. And oh yeah. That was a, the, he's, he's doing the, uh, the CPR on, on the one guy yeah. trying to do chest compression. You go do a chest compression that chest burst open a bunch of fangs right his hands go in and yeah and uh, grabs his arms off and they actually got a a, a person who was a double amputee uh to do the, the stunt work and that whatever i did not know that to make it you know certainly more believable they got a wmpt to uh to portray him like during the part of that well, scene wasn't least. that well, i know richard dysart was the, right. uh, the actor. Right. I remember him saying elsewhere, but right. I don't remember him being a double amputee. So I guess just the... Uh, no, no, he wasn't. The He wasn't. The, the stunt guy. The, the stunt, stunt guy, guy was a double amputee. Who was? I doubt he was an actual stunt guy. He was probably just a guy. And nowadays, they would blue screen out the hands or whatever. Right. But interesting. They probably took someone with, with double amputee and added on the yeah. the, the bitten hand part. And yeah. Yeah. Practical effects. Yeah. And, uh, and then so... Uh, this uh, was where McCready uh, uh, ends up uh, shooting Clark. He shoots him in the head because uh, he's about to. Uh, they're all like surrounding him, yeah. and he shoots Clark. So Clark's dead. And then, uh, but Clark is a uh, human. He just falls over dead and doesn't change the monster or nothing like that. Right, right. And, um, and the, this is where we get uh, a little scene uh, coming up. We're going to talk about the blood test, and we'll be back right after this. Got back inside and blew the generator. Six hours, it'll be a hundred below in here. Well, that's suicide. Not for that thing. It wants to freeze now. It's got no way out of here. It just wants to go to sleep in the cold until the rescue team finds it. What can we do? What can we do? Whether we make it or not, we can't let the thing freeze again. Maybe we'll just warm things up a little around here. We're not getting out of here alive. But neither is that thing. All right, we're back here on the podcast talking about The Thing. And um, this movie, uh, Rotten Tomatoes score 85 so yeah, eighty five. It's it's decent, you know. Yep. Um, not great, but it's decent. Um, it uh, it was nominated for Saturn Award for Best Film uh, and Special Effects. Uh, it was also nominated for Razzie for Worst Score for yeah. Marchione. And uh, he used unused portions of the composition for this movie. Uh, he tried to emulate John Carpenter's type of scoring when he, when he did it. Mm-hmm. Um, but some of the scoring that he created for this movie, what didn't go in there, he used for Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, and he won an Oscar for that. Oh, so, okay. Although he won a Razzie for some of the music yeah. in this movie, some right. of the unused portions okay. he repurposed when he did The Hateful Eight, and okay. he won an Oscar for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, yeah, that's that's awesome. Of course, there's, what, uh, 25, 30 years difference between the two yeah. movies. And yeah. 
for him, a lot more experience making yeah. soundtracks. And, uh, you know, Marcioni, uh, I mean, he's a, he just died just in, he just died in July yeah. this year. And, uh, he was a classmate of Sergio Leone and, uh, definitely work with him a lot, I think, yeah. um, on his movies. Um, and, uh, the IMD ranking, the IMDB rankings, which we talk about often here, um, where our users vote on movies. Uh, this movie is number 165 of all time, uh, which shows it's definitely a fan favorite. Um, yeah. Um, for a lot of people, it's uh, not a, uh, it's not a, uh, it's not, it, it's, it's reputation has grown substantially. It was not years. a box office success when it came out. No. And the day it came out, another movie that was not a box office success came yeah. out. Yeah. And it was Blade Runner. Yeah. Yeah. And in post box office, the mm-hmm. two have become monster right. cultural touchstones. Right. In fact, Blade Runner is on the top 100 AFI yeah. movies of all time now. Yeah. The, the list of any list, that's the most yeah. important list. Blade Runner's on that list now. Um, it's just, you know, the his after it hit like you know, DVD sales, uh, VHS sales, and mm-hmm. HBO and cinema, people got to see it and who didn't go in, on the theaters and drove, mm-hmm. got to see it in droves. And a younger crowd got to see it because back then movies came out a year and a year and a half after theatrical release. They yeah. hit the, uh, the DVD rentals mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Yeah. So it was almost, uh, you know, People who didn't go see it, it was their younger brothers and younger sisters. Yeah, uh, who got to got to watch it, enjoy it. Yeah, um, on HBO, on VHS. Mm-hmm. Well, so it was released June twenty fifth, nineteen eighty two. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you first see it? In the theater that week. Yeah, yeah. Um, we were, we're big movie heads back then. Anything did, Carpenter, did, or anything science did, fiction. Did you like it? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Did you a, get it? Did you get why it was so great? First time we saw uh, it. You know what? I have to. My memories of all that was so far ago, but uh, it was a Carpenter movie, which we were big on. Mm-hmm. Um, it was science fiction. Uh, the fact that Kurt Russell was the lead was a little odd for us mm-hmm. because back then he was known for Disney. what he'd done before yeah. the Disney stuff. Yeah. Um, although he had been, I think he'd already been in Escape from New York. Uh, is that already? Yes. Yeah. So, so yes. for him and Carpenter, it made sense. Right. Um, although it still was a little, okay, Carpenter's using him again. He's, he's done good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it was a uh, very watchable, very mm-hmm. enjoyable. The special effects were knockout, never mm-hmm. seen it before. Mm-hmm. Um, it was good, good movie. Yeah, um, I know. I definitely remember watching this the first time. It was definitely was not in theaters. Um, I saw it on HBO uh, whenever it first came out, which back then was probably six to nine months, probably after the movie uh, was released. Um, Might have been sooner than that because you know, thing didn't make a lot of money in theaters, um, but. I watched a lot of these movies on HBO for the first time in the early eighties with uh, my friend, uh, my best friend, Roger and John Hicks and uh, their mom, Brenda, who we were all watching it and she was an adult. So she knew why it was great. We didn't get it. It was just to us. It was just a horror movie and it wasn't even a good horror movie. We didn't think as kids, because I think the capacity to understand why this movie is great, it's hard. It's the, the nihilistic mindset that you have to put yourself in to realize what everyone has to do is very adult. Yeah. You know, um, we're going to have to kill everybody and everything and probably ourselves for the betterment of the world. Yeah. Otherwise, everything's gone. Everything's lost. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, uh, you know, yeah. 
it, it, you can't, I mean, it's very hard for a kid to get why this movie is so great. Um, without maybe, maybe a parent explain it, but even then it would be like, why well, you have to explain it to me? I don't know. Um, but I did absolutely, he's like, eh, it's okay. First time I saw it. Um, but yeah, obviously now it's, uh, it's great. And uh, it's been talked up so much on different shows and podcasts and people talk about the greatest horror movies and, you know, uh, yeah, they talk about this movie a lot. And, um, the, uh, now the movies are in theaters. Now here's the competition. Uh, Paul already alluded to Blade Runner coming out the same day. All these movies were released within five weeks previous to the thing or on the same day as the thing. Blade Runner, E.T., Grease 2, Poltergeist, Wrath of Khan, Rocky 3, The Road Warrior, Annie, Conan the Barbarian. All these were released within five weeks. And just just alone, Annie. How big of a hit was Annie? Well, it was a monster family hit. Annie was massive. Yes. Uh, the Road Warrior, I would probably wasn't a massive box office hit. That but, was the, uh, you know, the second, second movie. movie. Yeah. So, yeah. But even so, everyone knew the cult following that yeah. Max had. And then the Road Warrior come along. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, by the way, Rocky Three with Mister T in it, Clever yeah. Lang. Rocky yeah. Three. That was that was the Eye of the Tiger one. Yeah. Eye of the Tiger. Oh yeah, only Wrath of Khan, the best Star Trek movie. Um, and, uh, Poltergeist was a massive hit. And I'd, I mean, we didn't even talk about E.T. yet. Poltergeist, huge, yes. huge when I was younger. I mean, I loved it. It's not on my list, but man, I loved it back then. Um, and Grease 2 was, I'm sure did really well. Um, a lot of people will now think Grease 2 is better than Grease 1. I, don't, I haven't even seen Grease 2 since... It's been such a long time. I, I have to reserve check. My memory is that it was not as good. Yeah, I mean, me too. But I've heard a lot of people say Grease 2 is better. Um, I don't know. And E.T., the biggest box office movie of all time at the time. Yes. Past Star Wars. Past yes. Jaws and Star Wars. So, yeah, E.T. ET came out two weeks before the thing. And people went saw this friendly... Alien that everybody loved. Yeah. And then we see this horrible alien. We don't even know what it looks like. It's different every time and it's awful. And they're trying to shoot a dog and you know, all this yeah. stuff. That was working against this yeah. movie. Um everybody wanted to see the friend another friendly little alien instead. John yeah. Carpenter. Yeah, and Mac and me up. hadn't been written yet, so yeah. you know. Um yeah, and that that killed this movie. I mean, it wasn't the only thing, but and this these are the movies released a few weeks after. The thing, Tron, best little whorehouse in Texas, an officer and a gentleman, um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, Friday the 13th, part three. Wow, yeah. And uh, I wrote another one down here, but I don't even know what it means now. The wall, Pink oh, Floyd. Pink, Pink Floyd, Floyd the wall. wall, yeah, Pink Floyd's the wall, yeah. These yeah. were all released, we still don't know what it means, but it was a wow. good movie, right? So, all those were released within like three weeks of, yeah, of it. Um, so you know. This this movie would I mean of course you know it's late June of course it's the middle of summertime you yes. expect it's summertime in the eighties especially the early eighties was just packed full yeah. of what would they call tent pole movies movies that yeah. were going to make all the money for this studio mm -hmm. movies that were going to follow through on a franchise delivering something decent and and watchable and mm -hmm. sell a lot of popcorn and soda put butts in the seats mm -hmm. um, and Carpenter was something. Carpenter's thing was something new and original and just flopped right in the middle of it. Yeah. And for the same reason uh, Blade Runner did. Yeah. It was new and original and flopped in the middle despite 
mm-hmm. the pedigree that they had. I mean, mm-hmm. the director of Alien, the star of Star Wars, uh, mm-hmm. Indiana Jones hadn't come out yet when Blade Runner came out. So yeah, there's a lot, lot uh, yeah, lot going for it, but not enough to pull everyone away from the other movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, and now let's talk about the director, John Carpenter. Uh, here's some of his big movies. There's a lot. Uh, uh, Assault on Precinct 13, Halloween, uh, the Elvis uh, TV movie with Kurt Russell, uh, The Fog, Escape from New York, Christine, Starman, Big Trouble, Little China, They Live, and Ghosts of Mars. Lots of good stuff. Yeah. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, a lot of, uh, I mean, I loved Halloween the first time I saw it um, when I was younger. Um, the the big movies for us obviously when this one came out although he made a lot of them afterwards was you know Halloween up yeah. front yeah Assault on Precinct 13 when we saw that on video we were just blown away such mm-hmm. a gritty little independent film mm-hmm. doing something we hadn't really seen in movies before yeah um, and uh, Escape from New York was just apocalyptic fun mm-hmm. um, included a lot of actors that we were familiar with mm-hmm. but were in these great little roles, Ernest Borgnine, Harry Dean Stanton, yeah, yeah, um, Kurt Russell, uh, Van Cleef. I mean, wow, what mm-hmm. a great cast, yeah. Um, and of course, the thing, yeah, uh, it's yeah, he's had a pretty good career. It's weird that he didn't do the music for this because, uh, well, apparently, he wanted that 50s uh music okay. score. He wanted Jerry Goldsmith to do the movie, okay, and he turned it down. So, they got Ennio Marconi, who worked to his score that right. did too well. And McCrony also uh, tried to emulate Carpenter as much as possible, a lot of bass yeah. tones and stuff like that. I think he did very good. Oh, job. he did. It's just surprising that <laughs> surprising it wasn't John Carpenter doing yeah. it. So, um, and uh, the entire cast of this movie is sixteen people. Uh, twelve of them are the twelve of the twelve Americans, and the other four of the Norwegians, not counting Adrian Barbeau. The only female in the movie right. at any point is the voice of Adrian Barbeau. Right. So in regards to our Bechdel test, fail. Fail. Well, yeah. yeah. So being a computer voice talking to Kurt Russell. Yeah, I wouldn't count as Kurt Russell as being female, and I wouldn't. It's got count long hair. Computer voices. Got long hair. Name. Yeah. Uh, the original movie had female characters, and apparently there was a female cast member. With the crew there, but the actress got pregnant. She couldn't continue with the movie, so oh. it was replaced with the male. Um, so hmm. it was uh, all male centric. Well, I've still haven't seen the original. Have you seen the original? I saw the original like maybe two or three years after this came out because it was available. Oh, okay. But yeah. uh, I think it was HBO or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't remember much of it. I remember it was yeah. cheesy, kind of cheesy for what we're looking at. I think t- people today, with all the special effects out there, could look at this movie and still see some cheesiness to it. Although for us at the time, it was cutting edge new stuff. Yeah, well, um, the um, I looked up, always look up uh, movies that I have a chance to see if they were on the top 400 nominated movies, the AFI nominated uh-huh. movies. And with the thing's reputation recently, I figured on the 2007 list, it, it might have made the nominations for that year, but it did not. But the original 1950s version is on the nominated list. Yeah. The original 1950s version had a man in a monster suit, mm-hmm. and the man in the monster suit was the very celebrated James Arness, Matt Dillon. Oh, yeah. Life. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One of his early roles. Okay. I saw his name in the credits. I didn't realize what he yeah, actually I was did. reading up that uh, Carpenter definitely did not want 
his alien took like a man in a monster suit. He had seen Alien, right? And he didn't really like the look of the man in the monster suit, even though the alien was right. unique because of the design work of Geiger. It was still a man in a monster suit, right? And he didn't want that, so he really went all out for the special effects. Most of the budget for this film was the special effects. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, have you seen the uh, 2011? I've not movie? seen that. I just watched it um, recently because of this movie, yeah. and I wasn't going to watch it, but uh, my uh, my friends Christopher Lambert, who's contributed on a few things, he said that that is actually a prequel. It's from the Norwegian. Point of view. Ah, okay. And now the, the lead and a couple other people, the uh, lead and another person are Americans sent in to help them. And then there are some subtitles. Some of the Norwegians speak Norwegian to each other. A lot of them speak English, so there's a little bit of subtitling, but it's from the Norwegian standpoint. It's so the prequel. Does it lead up and leave the scenes that McCready and them find? Do you want me to tell you? You know what? No, no. I'll, I'll, I'm curious enough to go look at myself. Uh, see how much it lines up with what I just seen. You should again. You should because uh-huh. uh, knowing that it's a direct prequel and right. deals with the Norwegian perspective yeah. of all that is very very interesting. Though. Yes, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It's worth seeing. So I'll, I will put on my list. Yeah, um, and then uh, so I got the great Wilford Brimley in here, uh, who younger people who don't know him know him from his commercials where he says diabetes. Um, that's that's pretty much he's a he's, he's a meme. <laughs> Almost every member of the crew there is a known yeah. We might call character actor. Yeah, uh, they do small parts. They do them very well. I think mm-hmm. this was probably David Keith's first really big role. Mm-hmm. Donald Moffat, Richard Masur, mm-hmm. uh, the guy that played uh, the guy with the checkered sweater whose chest opened up. I can't remember. Yeah, uh, I recognize him from a lot of different. I recognize everyone here yeah, from a lot yeah. of different things. Yeah. Uh, even David Clennon, who was young there, mm-hmm. I recognized him from later on. A lot of different things. One mm-hmm. of my favorite roles of his was from Thirty Something. Okay, that TV show. He was the yeah. uh, the big bad for a couple of seasons. I was okay. uh, the owner operator of the uh, ad agency. Two of the characters worked at. Okay. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and uh, so Brimley just died in August, and uh, uh, you talk about ages in movies. Um, Brimley was 47 when this movie came out. So Brimley was younger than me when this movie came out. Wow. Of course, Brimley, is, uh, he's one of these people they always talk about who he looked like he was 50 when he was 30. Yeah. And he looked like he was 50 when he was 70. Kind of. He probably looked <laughs> like he was 50 when he was 27, too. Right. Exactly. Um, and then, yeah, I mentioned uh, Keith David, um, yeah. uh, his resume. Uh, he was on Mr. Rogers for nine episodes. I did not know that. No, I mean, well, me neither until I looked up. Uh, he was in Platoon. Uh, he was in They Live. Uh, he was in Always, uh, Reality Bites, Clockers. And, of course, the thing a lot of people know him from is something about Mary. Yes. Plays the father. Um, and if you uh, can remember if it, was, it was either Repo Man or Men at Work. It was Men at Work he was in. I didn't put it on here, so I don't, the, I don't know if he was. The Charlie Sheen and Miller Estevez. Oh yeah, he you know yeah I think he was, he was. He was the other he was yeah, the other, yeah, yeah, he was yeah, the other yeah. uh, garbage guy yeah um, the something about Mary roll was very memorable oh, yes. um, and uh, he was, what was it the Franks of the Weenies yeah the Franks of the Beans Franks and the Beans yeah Franks of the Beans it was yeah. both of them ah. yeah <laughs> um, and he was in the replacements he was in Barbershop. he's been in lots of cartoons and video games because that voice lots of narration 
Oh, uh, I like him from uh, Pitch Black and The okay. Chronicles of Riddick. Okay, okay. Um, and he was in Community. Uh, he was in the final scene of Community. He was a regular on the final so, season of the Community. Wasn't he uh, the new dean or new something? Well, he, department? no, they were all in like the uh, kind of uh, Save Greendale Committee or whatever, and he was one of them, but he he had sold the dean uh, virtual reality thing and the dean was uh, was addicted to it. And uh, uh, Jeff came and found him to uh, get the money back for it. And he ended up basically joining the cast and being, he wasn't a student or a teacher. He was just kind of there, um, but he was great there. And he actually, before he was on the show, he narrated an episode in season five, the pillows and blankets uh, episode. He uh, was narration because of uh, Ken Burns. Cause he's, I think, I believe Ken Burns used him on, Civil War or baseball? Yeah, well, not Civil War and not the original baseball, but I think when they updated um, it in like 10 years ago or something, I think he did that because the original guy died. Um, And he might have done the jazz, Ken Burns jazz, but he's, I mean, he is a Ken Burns narration voice, so they used him for that. And then Richard Massor, man, his face was everywhere. Late seventies, early eighties. Well, I remember first from one day at a time. I yeah, mean, one day was, at a time. Uh, exactly. He was on the first season, he actually left that was, show because his character wouldn't do anything, and he didn't like the fact he was just. Is that why? Okay. Uh, he was like nothing there. Yeah, he was just like sort of her boyfriend. He was the boyfriend there. Yeah, and the sort of this, sort of that, and the the focus almost directly turned to the two kids, Valerie Burton, yeah, and, yeah. And I didn't Shel- realize he uh, left. Shell Phillips, so Julie, who Julie's character. Can't remember her name. Um, I know it's Phillips. Yeah, I can't remember her name either. Uh, anyway, uh, so yeah, the, the focus turned on the kids like a lot of sitcoms do, and he was like, "I'm not even a third wheel. I'm like a fifth wheel." So he's like, "Oh, okay." Bring I mean, me out. I was wondering what happened here because I used to watch the reruns all the time, uh, and I didn't know that at the time. I, I liked right. the show when I watched the show when it came out. And I liked it, and mm-hmm. uh, Pat Harrington's character was great. Right. A lot of the characters were great. Yeah, um, they did a lot of fun stuff, but. Uh, I never understood why he was there and they got yeah, him. Yeah. I know that happens. Right. But later on, I realized, or I found out our reading, you know, the actor was like, I ain't doing much of anything and yeah. nothing's ever going to happen here. And I don't want to get stuck doing this. I'll do something else. Yeah. Yeah. So. And uh, speaking of one day at a time, Billy Bertinelli, um, Eddie Van Halen. Yes. As we're recording this, this uh, Eddie Van Halen died just a couple of days ago. Yeah. It was it Tuesday, I think, or yeah. Wednesday? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I said to mention that because we're talking about one day at a time. So. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, TK Carter to, is to me, he was one of those guys where he, he was a face you saw all the time back yeah. then. Um, I realized for sure why I knew him so well is he was on Punky Brewster for 23 episodes, ah. and I definitely loved that show when I was on. You were a big Punky fan, oh, yeah, definitely. I could, I'd watch any sitcom, it didn't matter. I don't know if it was good, that was probably terrible, but I still watched it. You early on, I've watched so many things, and nowadays, some. Some series are good mm-hmm. and some are bad. Way back when I was younger, I didn't realize that. No. I would watch whatever was on, no matter what. Yeah. Good or bad or ugly. Yeah. And now I'm like, have you ever watched that? Yeah. yeah. How could I be able to like that? But yeah. I still do like them. Even the yeah. cheesy ones. Oh, yeah. Um, and Richard Dysart, um, you mentioned, you know, he's L.A. Law. Uh, I remember from, uh, was it L.A. Law? I thought it was yeah. Elsewhere. You said seen elsewhere, but he was LA Law. You know, I'm thinking of a different actor. They look kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. He was also he was in um he was in Back to the Future Three and he was in Being There, which uh yeah, sure. 
If you say so. Well, he, I finally watched that a few years ago, but he was like the doctor in being there. Oh, okay. Um, Peter Sellers maybe, yeah. Um, uh, Donald Moffat, uh, The Eyebrows. Um, yes. He was in Earthquake, Popeye, The Right Stuff, Regarding Henry, Clear and Present Danger. And in the movie 61, I don't know if you ever saw an HBO original movie about the Roger uh, Roger Maris, Mickey Mantle, Home Run Chase in 1961. I never saw it. Yeah. It's 61 with an asterisk because Maris was given the asterisk because he played 162 games and of 154. He played Ford Frick, who was the NL president. Uh-huh. Uh, so he was in there somewhere. Um, it's a good movie, but, you know, I've seen it since it came out. He played that freaking Ford? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ford Frick was a not him, but Ford Frick was definitely a major character, I believe, in the Jackie Robinson uh, stuff because he was the president in the when it happened. So I'm sure he was a major character oh, yeah. when that happened. Um, did you notice the name of the pinball machine in the background? It's not. It's not like it's not hidden or anything. But was it Playboy? No. What was it? Heat Wave. Heat Wave. Uh, <laughs> I don't get the reference. He said it's like they're in Antarctica. Antarctica. They're in Antarctica. So it's Heat Wave. Uh, it's based on the movie Who Goes There, the novel. The novel by I mean, John novel, W. Campbell, yeah. yes. Yeah. Or short story, uh, the editor of uh, Amazing and Sounding Stories, mm-hmm. one of the greatest uh, editors in science fiction. Yeah, yeah. Um, as far as the critics go, pretty much in people, uh, mostly everyone hated it back then when it came yeah. out. Um, and uh, Us discerning people did not. Yeah, yeah. Lesser, who's those who were adults didn't like it. Yeah, uh, lesser adults couldn't see yeah. the charm it had. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Kurt Russell actually almost killed himself with a real stick of dynamite on the set. He was blown back and they left it in the film. Um, <laughs> so, um, a real stick of dynamite? How yeah. stupid is that? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um, and um, the. Uh, um, so we, we're done with the uh, little trivia stuff. We can get back to uh, uh, what's going on in the movie. What's going on in the movie? Uh, what is going on in the movie is uh, it's time to talk about the blood test. Um, and uh, McCready's explaining he's like, when a man bleeds, it's just tissue. Uh, but we think this thing basically was saying it's going to crawl away from a needle to survive. Every um, little piece of it right. is a hole. Right. So they're heating up the uh, copper wire. Um, and uh, Knowles is the first tested. Mm hmm. And then Knowles gets to help him out. He goes, I'm going to show you what I've already know. He tests his own blood. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And, and I like the way they did the, the Petri dish with the blood in it. The hot wire goes in. A little steam comes out. Yeah. And you know. Yeah. Safe. Safe. Yeah. It's a very, uh, like, visual-like little yeah. thing. little test. Yeah. And then Windows, like I said, I uh, mentioned earlier, he cuts himself with a dirty knife. The same knife. He wipes it on his pants. So... He wipes the supposedly all the hundred percent of the blood off, you know, <laughs> and cuts his uh, finger. Uh, and Windows is safe. Um, they test uh, Clark and uh, the doctor, and they Clark was human. So um, Charles says, well, "How that makes you a murderer, huh?" McCready doesn't respond to it. He's like, well, "I don't care." Um, and uh, they're testing everyone, and uh, they're tied together, and then. Uh, they test Palmer, and Palmer is the thing, and they're still tied to the bench. <laughs> Palmer starts going crazy. They test the blood; it explodes out of the petri yeah. dish. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, and then Palmer in this scene, uh, he kills Windows, kills him, um, and uh, 
who knew Windows would be so easy to kill in 1982? Yeah. If only, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, they test Gary, which is Moffat's character. Um, and uh, he said, cut me loose, Childs. And he uh, said, I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. When you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this fucking couch. <laughs> Leaving just a child there tied to the couch. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they're looking for uh, Blair, and uh, and they, they go to Blair's uh, little hut, and uh, he's cut, you know, whatever, dug a hole. He said Blair's been busy down here all by himself. Um, Building a spaceship. Yeah. And uh, and it's um, you know, trying to figure out uh, – they're saying it's a hundred below out here, and they say that's suicide. And they said not for that thing. Just what it wants to do is go to sleep until, until a rescue team shows up. And they said maybe we'll warm things up. We're not getting out of here alive, but neither is that thing. That's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> cool little sentiment or not in line. Uh, and they mentioned uh, the generator is gone, and someone says, "Can we fix it?" No, it's gone. <laughs> it's not broke. It's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Uh, this is where uh, Blair kills Gary. He just sticks his Moffat's character. He sticks his hands in his mouth, yes. or whatever, absorbs him. Um, and this is where uh, they uh, they come up to the uh, the thing comes up to uh, McCready's character uh, to try to uh, um, you know attack him or whatever. Um, and uh, he gets out of that. So. You know, whatever he gets away. Um, the hero survives. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so there's ex- a, the dynamite and there's explosions and basically the whole camp's on fire for the most part. McCready just sets down. And then Charles walks up and uh, McCready says, where were you, Childs? He said, I thought I saw Blair. I went after him and got lost in the storm. And... Uh, Charles says the fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. And then, uh, I don't know if it's McCready says, neither will we. <laughs> and uh, they say, if we've got any surprises for each other, I don't think we're in any shape to do anything about it. They're just kind of laughing at it. I still see the J&B scotch, though, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Taking swigs off of that. Which, uh, come to think of it, is probably a stupid thing to do. Because if one of them is infected, they're infecting each other. Oh, True. That's true. It goes yeah. back to that, you know, make your own food, prepare your own food. Oh, yeah. So either it was a sign of respect and trust or it was like whatever is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, well, so what, what do we do? Why don't we just wait here for a little while, see what happens. And you hear the music thumping. Dum, 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 dum. That music really gets to see there. Yeah. Um, there's been some... Uh, Theories about the light in the eyes, like who was the thing and who wasn't. And I don't know if there's any credence to it. Like there are certain things supposedly like their eyes are kind of dark and they're not. I don't really pay attention to any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like to think that Carpenter wants to leave you with that. Yeah. Are they or aren't they? Right. Is he or is he? Even McCready, you have to wonder sometimes, is he or is Yeah. What, what's going on well, for sure? Yeah. Um, but you know, uh, when Blair acted normal and said, "Hey, you can trust me," mm-hmm. he was so creepy, right? You know? Right. But maybe the thing learned a little bit, and maybe Childs or someone else is like more normal sounding. Yes. Yeah. 
And I just want to mention there's an alternate ending uh, shot where McCready was rescued and given a blood test, which he passes. Uh, and the tagline, this movie, I forgot to mention this, it's a good tagline. It's anytime, anywhere, anyone. Now, that's a great tagline. That is a great tagline. And we'll be back after these short, brief interludes. back here on the podcast talking about The Thing, and it's time to play the uh, trivia game that we do here pretty often uh, called Last Man Stanton, um, and we're going to have, we're going to pick one actor, take turns naming movies they've been in, uh, TV movies don't count, TV shows don't count, if they directed the movie that counts, but producing doesn't mean anything. Animated movies count though, don't they? Yeah, animated movies, voiceovers, you know, narration, yes. Oh, narration. Yeah, narration counts. Yeah, as long as it's a feature feature film. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, Paul is going to pick a number, and I have a name that's going to correspond to that. That's the name we're going to play. All right. One, pick one through three. Uh, one, two, or three. Uh, then I'm going to pick one or two or three. Right. Pick one of those. I just did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Number one. All right. Number one is Bill Murray. Bill Murray. Wow. So, what do you mean, Caddyshack? Are you starting? I think I just did. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see, Bill Murray, Bill Murray. Uh, Ghostbusters. Lost in Translation. Ghostbusters 2. Uh, Ghostbusters. I just said that. The new one. Was also called Ghostbusters. Wasn't it? The oh, yeah, new- yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was. Not the newest, newest one that hadn't come out yet. Lady Ghostbusters? Yes, the Lady Ghostbusters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a pretty good one. Um, I'll go with, uh, that, uh, let's see. Hmm. I'll go with Scrooged. Zombieland. Quick Change. Oh, we should do that movie. Yeah. We did do that movie. Yeah. Um, Airfield. Hmm. Um, what about Bob? What about Bob? Oh, sorry. Charlie's Angels. Mm. Um, meatballs. Ooh, that was a good one. Um, mm-hmm. There are so many good Bill Murray movies out there. Mm-hmm. 
what, what can I have? The Life Aquatic, according to Steve Zizou. <laughs> I don't know if I got that right. Not quite. Not quite. Uh, well, I'll let you have that one. I'll see if I can pick something else here that uh, I can actually know the title of. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Dumbo Drop. Is the name of it? Mm. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe I'm giving you too many movies while I'm trying to guess at what he was That's doing. not the right title, and that's not quite the right movie either. Yeah, okay. Let me uh, search my really bad memory of Bill Murray movies. Did, did you already see Ghostbusters too? Yeah. Oh, I guess I can't get that one there. Dun, 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 dun. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Stripes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to say um, Broken Flowers. Of course you would choose that one. Yeah. The one I kept in my pocket. Mm. Um, Stripes to the Revenge. Sorry, Revenge of the Fallen. <laughs> uh, let me think for a minute here. I'm sure he was in a few other movies. Uh, I'm sure he was in something that I really liked. Um, although I can't actually think of anything at the moment. Really? Yeah. All right. Space Jam. He was in that, really? Yeah. Osmosis Jones. Um, yeah. And uh, which um, was it? Buffalo, the Buffalo Room? Was that his Hunter S. Thompson movie? That was his For the Buffalo Room, yes. Yeah. yeah. That was an early Bill Murray movie. Yeah. yeah. And there's got to be six more 80s movies that we can't think of right now. Yeah. At least. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And then the Life Aquatic. Remember the Oh, the Life oh, I, I can't believe I didn't use it. The Life Aquatic with. Steve Zizou. Oh, with Steve Zizou. Yeah, yeah I, I never saw the movie. I knew the title-ish. I, I saw ish, it. I knew it's the title. Yeah, I saw it. What about yeah. the elephant movie, Dumbo Drop? I want to see Dumbo Drop. Operation Dumbo Drop, he was not in. No, he wasn't in that one, but that's a correct title for that movie. Okay, for that one movie. He was in Where he had to deliver Larger the, Than Life. Larger Than Life. Okay, yeah. I got the mix. I think that was one two Jenny Grosso was in it. Yeah. yeah, I got two elephant movies mixed Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I knew, but yeah. Mm -hmm. um, All right. I couldn't think of the Lord. Sorry, Bill. I wish I was uh, more of a diehard uh, fanatic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I like the stuff you're in when I see it, but, you know. Yeah. Um, uh, who's your guy in this movie? Uh, who's thing. my guy? Who's my guy? Well, there's so many good actors in this movie, um, and I like so many of them. Um, who's my guy? I'm going to actually go a little bit. Out of bounds. I'm gonna go at Mac and Windows prior mm. to the big Mac and Windows <laughs> uh, actual war between Apple and uh, Microsoft and, and stuff. Okay. Because this was 1982 before the Macintosh even came out, and I think uh, I don't think it was just coincidence they were Mac and Windows, but I think it was probably a little projection. Huh. Uh, there was just the two of the bigger really? personal software systems that were no Macintosh. No, I couldn't be because Macintosh wasn't even out yet. I think it was just coincidence. Yeah, I think it's just coincidence. Yeah, Macintosh came out like four, two years later. Yeah. So uh, it's just coincidence that Mac and Windows were in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll go with, uh, I think I'll go with uh, Blair, uh, Brimley's character. Brimley. Brimley's character. Very creepy. Yeah. Uh, very smart, very aware of what's going on. And mm -hmm. then 
get the virus. Yeah, yeah, he's just, he's great. He's great, uh, you know, I wish he was in more things. Uh, uh, I do like the fact that, uh, you know, we're in the middle of our own little pandemic here, mm -hmm. and that early on one of the big memes was, <laughs> they broke quarantine, look what happened, you know? Right, right, yeah, uh, definitely. So only one of them broke quarantine, but look what happened, you know? Yeah, funny. yeah, true, true. Um, and uh, it's time to talk about the villain in the movie. Who's the villain in the movie? The alien. Yeah, right. And the alien wants to survive and is willing to kill and absorb anything and everything to get there. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and the heroes are humanity, basically. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. With Max standing in for the rest of the world. Yeah. Holding the monster at bay. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the thing, that's, that's easy, but... Uh, it's time to go down to the top 10 list of villains. Yes. Uh, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, we have a running list of our top 10 villains uh, from all the movies we've done so far. We're over 40 movies now. And uh, these are currently the top 10 villains, according to us. Um, number 10 is Nazi Germany from The Great Escape. Uh, next, we have The Heat from Do the Right Thing. We have Rusty Nail from Joyride. D. Fins from Falling Down. Buddy from Baby Driver. Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Bricktop from Snatch. The Xenomorph from the movie Alien, Nurse Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and Hannibal Lecter from The Silence of the Lambs. Uh, I think this thing is going to make our list. Yeah. I think it's going to push Nazi Germany off. Mm -hmm. I equate it most with the villain list of the Xenomorph from Alien, mm -hmm. both of them being aliens for one thing, mm -hmm. but also because of the uh, uh, organic nature of their their what they do if they want to survive. Um, they're mm -hmm. killing, eating machines, basically mm -hmm. doing what they can to survive, mm -hmm. to get from one place to the other, to dominate. Uh, would, would they be on the list near the alien or not? Um, I think that the alien in aliens seemed a little more alien. Uh, well, <laughs> I don't want to say more alien. I seem seem more deliberate yeah. in what it was doing. Mm -hmm. This seems a more opportunistic. You know, the results are the same: you know, horrifying, yeah, alien isolation, tearing up, um, yeah, tearing up uh, humanity. Mm -hmm. um, and of course, being on Earth, the stakes are so much higher. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I, I put this a little bit. Further down the list from the Xenomorph, mm -hmm. um, Hans Gruber, Bricktop. I would put it between Hans Gruber and Bricktop. Okay. Okay, that would put it uh, number five on our list then. Number five on our list? Yeah. What, about, what do you think? Yeah, I think that, that makes sense. The thing do you like the placement? You wanna, uh, around, you wanna argue for a different number? I don't know. Maybe Hans Gruber's worse. Maybe Hans Gruber, because he's such more a. Tent? So he's such a classic movie villain, too. Yes. Um, people yeah. know who Hans Gruber is. This is one of the things I think about this alien versus the alien alien. Right. Is, you know, what the intent was. And mm -hmm. and you really know nothing mm -hmm. about this alien except that it takes over mm -hmm. and completely absorbs. Yeah. You know, its host. Mm -hmm. um, so ultimately, it could be much more horrifying yeah. than the xenomorph. But uh, until someone sits down with it and has a conversation with it, mm -hmm. which may happen in some other movie, yeah, you don't know what's going on. Yeah. 
Um, if you want to put a little bit lower down below, I think, Hans I, think I think below Hans Gruber, like above right? Buddy, yeah, above Buddy for that. driver, yeah. yeah, yeah. So the thing is, uh, the thing is uh, just above number buddy. number six on the list now in Nazi Germany. The Nazis e are free, evil as they are. Yeah, let's kick them to number eleven. Yeah, the Nazis, the Nazis are not as evil as uh, the thing, so they're out of they're off hey, the list. Hey, all you villains out there that get kicked off this top ten list, just remember you're still in the top hundred. Right. Exactly. We haven't had a movie without a villain, have we? I think we have had one. They had one. Yeah. We couldn't really decide that there was anyone bad enough to be a villain. I can't remember what movie it was. Uh, Some comedy recently, I think. I can't remember. I don't know. Um, yeah, I think we did. Um, so it's time to talk about the list. Uh, Paul, where would this be on your your list? Uh, this is this is a, a top 30 movie. Mm -hmm. I'll probably put it around 27, 28. Mm -hmm. Oh, Yeah. It has a lot of, I have a lot of fond memories for it. Mm -hmm. Rewatching it recently. I like the way the movie was made by Carpenter. Mm -hmm. I like a lot of the elements that he put into it. Um, I think we spoke about the, the shadow on the wall. When the dog walks in the room, you see the shadow on the wall mm -hmm. and you don't really see who it was. Mm -hmm. It's a very old timey movie mm -hmm. trick. Um, the fate of black that they use a lot. I think at the time, a lot of people were, uh, dissing on the editor for doing that, but I like that storytelling technique where they mm -hmm. get to a certain point, just fade to black, and mm -hmm. come up with the next scene. That's supposed to do a swipe or a shark cup or jump cup or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think for this movie, it added to the creepiness. Yeah. Uh, so I think it was very good. Yeah. Uh, the the music score by even by Marconi, even though uh, yeah, Monterazzi, yeah, he did a pretty good job of emulating Carpenter's music that yeah. he put in his other movies. Yeah. Um, and yet gave it his own spin. Yeah, and uh, I don't know if I mentioned this before, but uh, unused portions of this uh, musical score that uh, he made for this movie but didn't use in it mm -hmm. were repurposed for Quentin Tarantino's The Hateful Eight, and he, yeah. he won an Oscar for that. So. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of good elements. Yeah, and in, like I've mentioned several movies on the list that uh, movies that I loved when I was a little kid, but uh, I don't. They're still on the list, but I don't love like yeah. for example Superman and Alien. I loved when I was a little kid. I don't love as, near, as nearly as much now. Well, the thing certainly is a movie I didn't didn't even like when I was the first time I saw it. And it definitely one of those reverse things. Definitely came up over the years, and that's true of most people. Yeah, like this movie has been appreciated more, much like uh, Blade Runner. We talked about. Yeah, about, uh, yeah. Not well liked by audiences at the time, but uh, has received a glowing, mm -hmm. uh, glowing accolade since then. Yes. Yes. Um, so it's time to figure out uh, where do you think it is on my list. Your list. Let me bring the list up so, here and see so what we got. Available. Paul has a list of ones we've done so far, and he can see all the gaps. And we're getting to the point now where they're Easier smaller and fewer gaps. But at least I can more easily pin pin a number. I just got to pick pick a range where I think it might be fewer. Right. And pick one of the numbers. And, and I, I want to and I want to point out that Paul's never guessed it right once yet. He's been within one twice. Or he did. Oh, Carrie. Gary. Gary, sorry. So Gary. Paul's never done it once after 41 or 42 tries. And we had a guest on our last episode on Do the Right Thing. No, on The Jerk. On The Jerk, two episodes. Um, he guessed it right away. Boom. He, he guessed guess. it exactly. We thought even knowing where the gaps were. Yeah. Nothing. It could have been it could have been nothing available. He guessed number 66. So. He had he he had yeah. zero. He had one through 100 to choose from, and he picked. Right. Wow. Right. I had never done that. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I think you said this was not a favorite growing up. Right? So it didn't have the nostalgia factor for you. Mm-hmm. It has grown on you more as an adult to appreciate it more, mm-hmm. much as much most of America has. Um, you haven't spoken much about the way it was made, like I have. Sixty-five. Fifty-six. Oh, I got the numbers right reversed. Yeah. Isn't yeah. that yeah. ridiculous? Fifty-six. Fifty-six. Uh, so yeah, this movie, uh, you know, pretty much right in the center there. Um, yeah, pretty close. It's uh, like I said, it's gotten better and better over the years. Um, and uh, definitely my favorite favorite Kurt Russell movie. I don't necessarily have a lot of favorite Kurt Russell movies, but definitely my favorite one of those. And um, it's a it's a good one, and uh, I'm glad a lot more people are figuring that out now. Um, so it's time to talk about what didn't make the list, uh, and I'm going to pick because Wilford Brimley was in. I'm going to pick The Natural, um, Barry Levinson movie, Robert Redford, and uh, Wilford Brimley played the manager. Yes, um, classic American. Yeah, and storytelling. Yeah, and, and I mean, me being a huge baseball fan, I still love the movie. Does not make my list. Obviously, I'm talking about it now, but. Uh, a lot of uh, Glenn Close too, right? Glenn Close. Um, a lot of great, uh, great stuff in that movie. Richard Farnsworth. Oh yeah. Um, uh, I haven't seen it in a while. Barbara Hershey. Yeah, yeah. Tim um, Massinger. Okay, yeah. It's been a while since it's I've been seen it. Actually, uh, Robert Duvall. Uh, okay. Trying to get the list. Yeah, who's there? I picked it because of Brimley, but it's been actually been a lot while since I've seen it. Um, and, uh, that's a really good one. Um, makes my top 200, but not my top 100. So, uh, that's a really good one. If you've never seen The Natural, uh, definitely check it out. Uh, time to talk about plugs. Uh, Paul, do you have anything to plug? I do have something to plug here. It just came out this week as we're recording. It is a book called Mima Says by Dolores Oaks Hughes. You can find it on Amazon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's my mother in law, and she has written a book. Yeah. Um, Mima Says by yeah. Dolores Oaks Hughes. M E M A, Mima Says. Mima. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just came out this week, as we're recording yep. at least, just came out. Um, and uh, so that's pretty cool. Um, yep. Um, I'm going to plug, as uh, my plug, I'm going to plug someone's uh, TikTok. Uh, there's a woman I started following recently on TikTok and also friends with her on Facebook. She is very funny. Her name is Melissa Crofts. Her last name is C-R-O-F-T-S. Um, her first name is spelled M, capital M, small E, Capital L I S A, like me, Lisa Crofts. And uh, follow her on TikTok and Facebook and Instagram, but her TikToks are pretty funny. She does humor stuff. Yeah. And she's also, uh, she lives in Connecticut. She also is on the, uh, like the local uh, public access, uh, like sort of a news show there yeah. uh, and does a lot of TikToks and she's pretty funny. So she's someone that you should, uh, you should follow there. Um, and uh, it's time to talk about uh, what we're doing next week on the podcast. Uh, next week, uh, sing New Jack Swing on the corner. Uh, watch Scarface over and over again. And get a free tur- turkey from Nino Brown. Uh, next week, we're talking about New Jack City, New Jack on, the City. Pod- on the podcast. I have a story about that. Wow. Yeah. And uh, yeah, 1991 movie. And uh, we'll be talking about that next week on 100 Movies I Love. 100 Movies You Love. You the only one who made it? Not the only one. Did you kill it? 
Where were you, Charles? Thought I saw Blair. I went out after him. Got lost in the storm. Fire's got the temperature up all over the camp. Won't last long, though. Neither will we. How will we make it? Maybe we should. If you're worried about me... If we've got any surprises for each other... I don't think we're in much shape to do anything about it. Just wait here for a little while. See what happens. 